Well, hello everyone. What a football game. A emotionally and physically draining battle between the Browns and Steelers. Physical, sloppy. Coach can call it AFC North football if you want. Whatever. I mean, there's a lot of issues. But hey, you get that win and now you're set up pretty well going forward. This offense needs a lot of work. You score two touchdowns on defense. Maybe you can figure this out. I'm I'm recording this about five minutes after the final whistle. Walk downstairs to my basement, get my laptop set up, start talking to you guys. And a lot to unpeel. I can promise my podcast tomorrow for you will be much more detailed. This is just a lot of stuff thrown at a fan and a bunch of random notes. And I do like to talk about the stats and when and, you know what that brings up in discussion. So let's start there. But hey, a win's a win. I get that. <laughs> Two defensive touchdowns and you know holding on for bitter life at the end. Anyway, halftime. 16-14 going into half. Ugh, ugly, crazy half. And one thing we do know is I, I talked about leading at halftime, you know, that that is very important in this situation. Man, uh, <laughs> the Browns have a terrible rec- record coming out of uh, halftime deficits. The Steelers, going back to last year, won a lot of games or winning at halftime. I don't know. It seemed pretty equal at halftime to me. Maybe I'm not even going to harp on that. Pickett was 10 for 19 for 151, a touch and an interception at that point. Watson was 10 for 21 for 102, one and one himself. Harris had six carries for four yards going into halftime. Chubb, meanwhile, was 10 for 46. And, of course, he got injured. That was a huge part of this deal. Um, Probably the best player on the field, well, Watt and some of the other Steelers excluded. But, man, Chubb going down was huge for them. But that doesn't mean that they couldn't run the ball, and we'll talk about that more too. I mean, going to the half, the Steelers had one rushing yard. One. Cleveland had 77. You know, passing yards. Steelers had 151, but 71 of it came in the long pickings play, which looked like a coverage bust to me. Yeah, I mean, Pickett found him, basically went untouched the whole way down. And I do think Pickens was one of the brightest spots here. And he flashed a lot of number one receiver stuff, tra- you know, stout, you know, traits with Deontay out. But that one huge play was kind of fluky. Browns had 86 passing yards to half. Browns only average yards per play were four. Steelers were 5.6. But again, they had a 71 yarder. They only ran 27 plays in the first half compared to 50, 41 by the Browns. And they only possessed the, the football for 11.44 compared to 18.16. Both teams had two turnovers. Steelers only had four first downs in the first half compared to nine for the Browns. They only had five for 31 penalties, and the Browns only had four for 36, but it sure seemed like a lot more than that. Were there a lot declined? I think there were. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this. Well, which I'll do anyways. Steelers had three sacks in the first half. The sack situation was huge in this game. So final stats, Browns turned the ball over four times compared to two for the Steelers. Still, time of possession, out of 60 minutes, the Browns had it 35 and a half, you know, compared to 24 and a half for the Steelers. Browns averaged five yards per play, Steelers 4.8, about the same. 
but 20 first downs for the Browns compared to nine for the Steelers. They produced nine first downs the entire game. Still won. Only ran 53 plays compared to 81 for the Browns. The Browns ran 81 plays. Total yards, 408 to 255. Passing yards were about the same. 200 for the Steelers, 210 for the Browns. Rushing yards, though, 198 for Cleveland, 55 for Pittsburgh. Steelers are on defense, tackling, getting guys on the ground. Penalties, still 5 for 31, 8 for 81 for the Browns. I mean, Browns lost this game in the margins. Sacks, turnovers, penalties. Watson still isn't real dangerous. 22 of 40, 235, one of each. You know, touchdown and interception, six sacks taken, two fumbles. Kenny wasn't better. He was better, I guess, than he was against the Niners, but 15 30 for 222. Again, 71 of them came on one play, one touchdown, one, one interception, took two sacks. Pickens was four for 127 and a touchdown, but 10 targets. Now, I bet he easily could have had four or five more catches if, if Pickett and the offense were cleaner. So I think when we watch this a second time and we evaluate this, we're going to look at Pickens and go, he showed some star qualities here, you know, that he, he stepped up. And yes, the one big play was great, but there was more to be had. There was more meat on the bone there. And I think that's promising. Speaking of star receivers, Mari Cooper played, of course, seven for 90, 10 targets, played really well. And then Ford finished the day after Chubb was gone for 16 carries for 106. I always liked him coming out of school. I thought that was a nice pickup for the Browns, but you got to do better against that guy. I mean, yeah, you allowed some long runs. I think if you're in a fantasy league, pick up Ford right now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he has value. He's not a nobody. But, man, I mean, the way Watson's playing, you couldn't let Ford beat you. But trust me, I mean – I'm not blaming the defense for much in this game. And I'm talking about it like it's a loss. It's not. It's a very, very good win. They're in a good spot. We'll take a quick break. I got all kinds of other notes just to rattle off here and spitball and run around my my little mind right now. Again, insane game, quite the battle, a lot of injuries, a lot of physicality, a lot of questions around both teams, particularly the offenses. I do think the Browns' D is legit. It showed it against the Bengals, but part of of my thought process going into this game was, is Burrow and the Bengals just a disaster, or is this really a good D? No, this is a good D, and their front is formidable. Their corners are formidable. That's what you want to be. So give them credit. I'm sure they had a lot of good individual performances. But one of them wasn't Miles Garrett. One tackle, no sacks, and showed up here and there, but didn't take the game over, that's for sure. I mean, he was certainly not the most dominant defensive player on the field or impactful. Meanwhile, Steelers had two defensive touchdowns. I mean, you should win that game 95% of the time in NFL history, if you score twice on defense and special teams, I mean, I wonder what that's at. I bet it's well over 90. And this game was kind of a 50-50 battle, but you did win. Offensive brutal. I mean, 
really no run game. Kenny doesn't look much better than against the Niners. Again, two really good defenses. Now, I'm sure people are going to be attacking Canada, and I need to rewatch it before I go one way or another on that. But it does sure seem like opposing defenses can read when the run is coming, and they're, they're teeing off on the run game. It certainly was true for the Niners, and they aren't doing a whole heck of a lot offensively that, you know, gets me excited. I mean, they're not ever catching anyone off balance. You watch the league and the way teams like Miami and San Francisco, and I know they're the best of the best, use motion and to keep people off balance. The Steelers aren't doing that at all. Ogan Joby, I wanted to call out, played really well early. Watt and Highsmith were phenomenal in this game. I thought the Steelers inside linebackers held up pretty well all in all, but maybe I missed some things with missed tackles and Chubb and Ford runs from them, but Holcomb made some plays. That was good. I think we have to talk about Levi Wallace. Brutal game. Brutal game. Um, at least on first blush. Some of it were him being picked on. Some of them were a little bit of bad luck, but it makes you wonder, does Porter need to be a starter from here on out? And I know this isn't as big a deal as like left tackle, right tackle, but if you watch Porter every practice like I did, he only ever lined up at left corner and they never flop, you know, more so than any team in the league, basically. They, they have a right corner, they have a left corner. Wallace is the right, Peterson's the left, but Porter only really repped at left. So, does that need to change? Does Peterson move to the right? Do you just live with working Porter and slowly going forward? These are things to talk about throughout the week, but they're on my mind. Man, late in that game, Steelers get the ball back with three minutes left or so, and all I could think about was Jerome Bettis and Bill Cower. Like, wouldn't it be nice to have a big power back, although they do, that could seal a game in a situation like that. I mean, a true four-minute offense, just bury a team when you have the lead and you get the ball back. They sure don't. You would think Najee could be that guy. I'm not blaming him, but he didn't get carries late in the game. They seem to favor Warren a little bit more. He's certainly more explosive. But boy, I mean, it would sure be nice to have Jerome back in the day, just pounding away. A couple weird things I just wanted to throw out there so I don't forget tomorrow. The whole extra point thing in this game got really wonky. Going for two immediately, it starts throwing things off. Scores get weird. I mean, would this game have just been tied straight up if they all just kicked extra points? Gunnar Olszewski makes me crazy. I mean, I know he got hurt. I hope he's all right. But what on earth are you doing as an, a kickoff returner? Obviously, McFarland is on injured reserve. What are you doing as a kickoff returner? Getting your toes in bounds like you're John Stallworth catching an out pattern to catch a ball on the nine-yard line and fall out of bounds, thinking that you caught the ball out of bounds. Like, what on earth was that? And then shortly after, they put him in on offense and try to feature him, getting him the football. Like... I think he's like the least valuable stealer on the team. Why is he doing – why is that involved? Harvin, he had one or two in the end zone. Again, this is just right off the top of my head, but he was phenomenal tonight. I mean, and the way the Steelers play, their special teams has to be great. 
wasn't, but Boz made his kicks. Harvin was really good. I know he gets scrutinized a lot. I know they brought a punter in this week. I get that. There's certainly inconsistencies there. But when he's good, he's really good. Mentioned the Chubb injury. I need to hear more about Minka. Again, I think Coach Tomlin's press conference is probably going on as we speak. Don't like the sound of that at all, amongst others. Obviously, Hayward's out. We haven't talked since Deontay went on injured reserve. But, folks, wrap this thing up. Just get down to the facts. Steelers are one and one. That puts them firmly tied at second place in the division. And to be honest, I've been studying the Raiders, you know, doing the advanced scouting stuff I do. That's the next opponent. They stink. They're really bad. And the Texans are the team after that, and they're worse. They might be the worst team in the league. So I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion, especially with this offense, that, hey, the Steelers will be 3-1. and one. But they should be 3-1. and one. <laughs> So hasn't been pretty. It's a long season. There's 15 more games. And if you can start the season three and one, again, that's putting the cart before the horse. See how it goes. I still have extreme faith in Pickett. I really do. Despite a lot of problems, these two games. But I need some sleep. I need to do some more homework. And what a game. Fun stuff. Take care. Take care.